Women Bridging the Gap is a freewheeling conversation podcast co-hosted by myself, Lenya Wilson, a black woman, and Alexandra Tatalia, a white woman. I didn't watch the interview. I, I gave up on Oprah a long time ago, partially because I was a huge fan of hers, a huge fan of her in the early 80s when she was really doing political talk shows, when she was really speaking for women about pro-choice, sexual harassment, and she was really out there on a limb in her daytime talk show doing that kind of work. And I got to say, by the end of her journey, which, you know, where she was more cloaked in happiness and, you know, the things I love every day, I actually wrote a whole play (laughs) about how she really um, makes every single middle class woman feel like shit. One, her journey to weight loss is not body positive. Two, the fact that she would say things like, just eat a cup of blueberries a day, like to keep your, you know, for antioxidants, like most middle-class people can afford to buy fresh blueberries a day. Like basically it makes every single middle-class person feel like shit. And it's part of the problem for me. So I just turned off Oprah, like in the sense that I know that people love her, but a little bit out of touch, I thought. A lot out of touch now. Yeah, but it was just like, for me, it didn't speak at all to me. Like it, it it ended up, everything I watched, her liking the little tennis diamond bracelet or everyday items that she loves, it just, it was promoting materialism and just things I was uncomfortable with. So I just turned her off. And so that's my story kind of behind Oprah. Not that she's not a great interviewer, not that she's not amazing, not that she hasn't done a ton for women and black women in this world. I not please do not send me hate mail about Oprah. I love Oprah. It's just that she changed from intrepid reporter to daytime talk show host for me. And I'm not interested in daytime talk show hosts. That's just sort of me. I don't watch Ellen DeGeneres either. I don't watch any of those shows because I tend to think they make women look vacuous because, you know, men aren't on talk shows talking about things they want to have. So I I find it sexist. That's So that's me. So coming through that lens, I wasn't even going to watch it. And I don't really care about the current royals just generally, despite my Anglophile-ness, because it's more about the land than the royals for me. Okay. So with that, you had me watch it. Yes. And I did like it more than I thought, although in fairness, I did just shoot Lenya a gazillion emails as I was watching it. And so I feel bad. And I told Lenya that I love her for because I watched this because I love her. And I know she must love me because she did not say, stop psycho emailing me every thought you're having while you're watching this interview. I um, responded to every thought. <laughs> so I want to know. I wanted to know what you thought. I was actually, uh, to be fair, I was really taken aback by it. Yeah. Well, so, you know, so let's just start with the setting. It's, you know, for me, I was like, I know they have to be outside, but you know, okay. It wasn't even either of their houses too. That was, I know, but it is like it reeked of Southern California. It reeked of Montecito. Like I was like, is that Rob Lowe's house? Is that, you know, it just reeked of wealth. And again, if they're trying to sort of promote this every person thing, it just reeked of celebrity to me. And again, it's just a veil where then I'm like, 
you've got an agenda. Like when you have celebrities out there doing tell-alls, there's an agenda. Yeah, and, but I believe and, in this agenda. So that's why. I am, I believe in the agenda, but when you have an agenda, I think that there need to be harder questions asked. That's all, you know, because otherwise I think the agenda should be transparent. Otherwise I don't believe. I'm excited and we could talk about it. I mean, the mental health issues that came up actually yeah. for me were really important. I think the race issues, it's sort of like what you and I said last week when we had our call. Oh, big surprise. <laughs> the British Royals are racist. Duh. Duh. <laughs> well, so whilst, yes, whilst I was not surprised, some of it was shocking to me still. Some of it was quite shocking to me. What was now, shocking? What shocked you? So I'm going to say this too. I don't follow the Royals as well, but I do like Prince Harry. I find him to be the most kind of like personable out of all of them. He just seems more real because he knows he's not going to ever, you know, become king. So he lives his life differently. And for, there was a time, and I don't know if this is, I know this isn't gossip. I know this is fact only because I know some of the, the people that are involved in the background, but for there was a time when he was dating Rihanna. Okay. And I know that that didn't end. I mean, that ended and didn't go very far because of him being Prince Harry. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So, so when he married Megan, I knew he was down. I mean, from the time that he was dating Rihanna, I knew he was down with the Brown. And I always knew that he was going to marry someone that was outside of the Caucasian race. I just knew it in my brain. Like it was, and, and I knew that whatever, whenever it was going to happen, that it was going to, it was going to be this kind of like thing anyway. Okay. So when she said that, you know, when the press first started going after her, in the manner after that her, they you mean did. Meghan Markle? after Megan from the very beginning and that he had to actually come out and say, please, we are dating. This is when they were dating. Please, you know, kind of back off on her. That triggered me a little. And you felt that the media at the time was after her, not because she was an American celebrity that he was dating. You felt it was because of race. Strictly because, because she was a black woman. But and I know a lot of people, a lot of people are going to go mixed race. A lot of people are going to say that she can pass for white. But my thing is Megan doesn't do that. Megan doesn't try to pass for white. She has always said that she is half black. She's always acknowledged that her mother is black. And I want people to understand that being biracial does not mean you are not black. And we got, we got to take this away from people's vocabulary because I get this as well um, because I'm technically biracial as well with my mother being Puerto Rican and I am still black. Oh, absolutely. Regardless. And so my kids are black. You know what I mean? My question wasn't going there. My question was that, and again, like I don't follow, I don't even follow the American celebrity scene. So my yeah. question to you is though, I do kind of remember when Kate Middleton came upon the other prince's girlfriend who mm -hmm. everybody like loved at the mm -hmm. time. She also was everywhere. It was Kate Middleton clothes. And what is she wearing? And so is it, but the press was favorable. The so press was, was the favorable. Even, it wasn't I mean. Say, like, how, was the press mean even in the oh, beginning? Yeah. Because yeah. I got to say, Very you're saying something that she herself didn't say in her interview. She said that it turned, she said that it was really positive at first. So I guess I'm not, 
this is what makes me uncomfortable about this because this is all hearsay to me. This is the lawyer in me. Like, this is all like, show me facts. Show me a headline that was biased before. I don't need proof that in the aftermath of this separation post-wedding that all of this got really negative. And I think the media to sell papers race bait. I'll get some headlines and put them in the show notes. Okay. We'll get get some headlines for sure. He's a Hollywood celebrity doing Hollywood things. And, you know, just like people can, there are celebrities who can live their lives in the shadows. They really do make it work. And then there are celebrities who invite and then say, oh, I want my privacy. Now I'm not accusing Meghan Markle of that, but when you date a royal, you know what's happening. We all understand what happened to Princess Diana. It was horrible, but like you go in knowing. Yes, that's the one thing I will say is that her saying that she didn't do research was just the most ridiculous statement I have ever heard. But none of that, again, none of that really, none of that bothered me. It was when she was talking about the racism in the, with the press. And then the, the thing that triggered me the most was having someone come up to Harry and say, how dark of the skin do you think your baby's going to be and how problematic this could be later. And the fact that he wasn't going to get a title, he wasn't going to get security. That really upset me. And that's shocking. And that That was shocking to me. But for me, this is where the lack of questioning came. He asked. No, wait, you don't know what I'm saying. She's asking. True. Right. Of course. Like I am completely devastated, sickened, But kind of, got to be honest, not surprised that somebody would say a comment about what the color of the baby's going to be. It goes, and and the fact that it was not just a microaggression, but a macroaggression was devastating. And I completely understand it. And I'm glad it's out there in the world that people know. Absolutely. Here's my issue with the security and all the other stuff, is that the timing of all those things that were basically taken away from Harry and Meghan, was that done to control them because they wanted out of parts of the monarchy or was it because of race? Because for me, I would have wanted to know and I would have asked the harder questions. Well, when exactly were you told that Megan wasn't getting security. When exactly and how and who communicated it to you? And then what exactly did you do to appeal that? How and when were you told that your child wasn't going to be given a title? When was it? Because for me, is that a little bit of punishing because they wanted to sort of take a step back from their duties? Or was it because of racism? Because there's correlation and causation. And again, Oprah just let it all lie, which is fine, but that makes it a puff piece because no, no, no. She, they did discuss the fact that all of this happened before they decided they were going to leave. They decided to leave. This was one of those reasons. One of the, I don't think that timing was totally cleared up. And I, and for me, and I get it that an interview is not a court of law and that we're not looking to establish. But I thought that piece of the conversation was deliberately fuzzy. 
because the timing is shaky. Yeah. And I got to be honest, the most tone deaf part of the conversation was he's, well, I just have my mom's money so I can afford to live in Santa Barbara. I'm that was sorry. him. That was Harry saying, I yeah, know, if it wasn't fuck, for my mom's she's money. Rich too. But I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's like rich people problems. Like it's, it's I know, but it wasn't meant to be, but it wasn't meant to be something that we're supposed to relate to on that level. I think the the point was about the racism and about the fact that she the reason why they left like her mental health issues and the fact, I mean, another triggering moment, but don't you really think that a better interview would be if Oprah actually left her estate in Santa Barbara and actually found real people who suffer from these things every single day and put those people in the interview seat because then everybody can relate to it. Don't you think that's the better journalistic venue rather than have Megan say it's better than a fairy tale? Oh, my God. I could puke all the food I've eaten for weeks. Alex, you're a more evolved person. Most people who watch TV want to know that it's okay to feel this type of way because the celebrity that they respect feels this way. But why would you respect a celebrity? I don't know. I'm just telling you all that right. this is all what right. people well, feel. Right. So many this is how people feel. And so when she said that she was suffering from, you know, from wanting to kill herself, this brings out the larger conversation that a lot of people can have. And the fact that Harry admitted that he was even uncomfortable having that conversation with his own family, again, speaks to the average person not being able to talk to the, talk to anyone yeah. about the way they feel. So regardless of whether they're celebrities or not, the fact that they are talking about it on national TV and the whole world watch opens up a conversation. And then this goes to the reason why I wanted us to talk about this was the, what happened next, the Pierce Morgan thing that happened next. Then the Sharon Osbourne thing that happened next speaks exactly to the racism in the media that we are still going through. And that, you know, I kind of thank Meghan Markle for bringing this out so that all these conversations that start starting to happen now in front of us. All right. We'll tell everybody what the Piers Morgan issue was. Okay. So Piers Morgan, apparently, and this is all here because I have no idea. This is one celebrity interaction. I don't have any people that I know involved. Okay, so Piers Morgan and Meghan Markle apparently were friends at some point in time. And then I don't know what happened. And I would have to look that up. But there was a split and she stopped returning his calls and stopped, you know, allowing him access. And so from that moment, he he apparently has been attacking her on his show that he had until he was let go. After the the Oprah interview, actually, before he even saw the interview, before it aired in uh, the UK, that morning of the day that it was going to air, he was on TV, again, ripping her a new asshole about how he doesn't believe a thing that she says, regardless, there's no racism. And then they brought on this author to talk, a black woman, to talk to this issue. And she basically let them know, of course, that the the, uh, monarchy is racist. Look at how they, you know, brought slavery all over the world and, and, you know, how they have colonized the world. And so Piers Morgan took a a really bad position against that too, yelling at this woman. And, And so that was the first 
sort of interaction where everybody was like, whoa, you know, and then the next day after the UK had seen the interview, he had another chat and one of his colleagues on the show pointed out to him that he has been unusually mean to Meghan Markle. Now, when your colleagues start pointing this out to you, you know, there's something really, there's some truth to this. Oh, sure. So they, and then Piers walked off set in the white male privilege tantrum that he had. Wow. And basically what he did apparently decided to quit, but we all know that there were some 46,000 complaints about him. And he, I don't know whether he was told to apologize, whatever the case may be, Piers Morgan is no longer a commentator on that show. So that's one. Now let's fast forward a couple of days later, Sharon Osbourne on the talk is defending Another show. I hate, I'm just letting I everybody hate that know. show so much. I don't watch this show at all. I only know about this through Instagram because okay. I follow Amanda Seals and Holly Pete Robinson and both of them have had, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't know how to put that, but the, how to put this, but they have had some instances, with some situations with Sharon Osbourne. So the thing that bothered me the most about the Sharon Osbourne thing was her screaming and cursing at her co-host Cheryl Underwood to educate her on why she was being racist. Educate me. She's screaming. And then Cheryl Underwood, um, a black woman, having to sit there after being embarrassed by this woman and explain to her why her words were insensitive and racist. It is not a black woman's job to educate anyone about racism, especially a white woman. White people develop racism. It is on her yeah, absolutely. we learn how to be an anti-racist. Absolutely. And this all had to do with the Meghan Markle. This all had to do. This is the fallout from the Meghan Markle because she then defended Piers Morgan and Piers oh, Morgan okay. thing happened about Meghan. So right. The backlash we're talking days later, completely different people, same, same problem, same problem. And then, so then the show has to go on hiatus while they, they look into this matter because then it comes out how she was very racist against Holly Pete Robinson when Holly Pete Robinson was trying to, when, when she was on the show as well as one of the talking heads and how she was racist to Amanda Seals, who was on the show and left the show. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, all, like the backlash is just, it's, and, and it's this continuing conversation about racism in the media and how the media portray black people, black women. And, you know, I mean, we know that they portray black people poorly. I mean, look at every time somebody uh, gets killed by the police when, or, you know, when they're a black person, uh, their entire past gets dragged up oh, like yeah, it matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, there is obviously this bias, but this just brings it even more to the forefront. I could not believe that video. I had to watch it four times, the, the video with Sharon Osbourne. If I had been in the audience, I would have gotten up and slapped the fucking shit out of this woman. I am so upset over what happened. Outrageous. It sounds outrageous. outrageous. Now the show is on hiatus and everybody's losing money because they have to, because, you know, again, her white privilege. So the whole show has to shut down while they investigate. Do you know what I mean? Like, again, the the audacity, the, the, the privilege that these people hold make me so... So it's just, I'm, I'm incensed. Now I'm so angry. No, but you know, I love, well, I don't love that you're incensed, but I mean, I, I love that there was another flashpoint 
Yes. And if Meghan Markle's interview was indeed another flashpoint to bring to bear the privilege of the white press yep. to, to use their bias, you know, and I, of course, I mean, because the media is run amok in so many ways. But wait, it even goes further. Last night, Sharon Osbourne is on some other television show with a black interviewer and they tag Amanda Seals, they tag Cheryl Underwood and they tag Holly Pete Robinson. But did they interview them? No, they only interviewed her. And then she gives her an apology as all these fucking people do. And she talks about how she's not racist. And I'm like, she's just trash, right? This just proves how trash she really is. I was very upset, very upset. And then this morning, you know, it comes out that the, she did this interview yesterday. And I'm like, so, you know, again, the media putting her front in front when they should have been interviewing Cheryl Underwood about how she feels about this situation, right? The focus. And then oh, that was the other thing I didn't tell you. She's yelling at when she's yelling um, at Cheryl Underwood on the television, Cheryl Underwood's getting upset and starting to cry. She tells her, don't you cry out of any person in this room that d- should deserve to cry. It's me. So also playing the victim. So you see, again, I'd have slapped her to Thursday. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's true. I mean, so what so I don't know. I don't even know how we can go, where we can go from here. Yeah. But- I mean, what do you think that the media should do? I mean, because I agree that m- much, of, much of the problem is with the media, right? It's yeah. how it's the, it's how they, how they portray everything. and treat black people and people of color in the press and how they also the double standard of how they cover celebrity. That's completely true. So they should have interviewed Cheryl Underwood. They shouldn't have been well, interviewed. Absolutely. And I'm uh, that's disappointing. Has she been out in the press talking about the situation? No, she has been very quiet. Very quiet. I think she's I mean, they were meant to they were supposedly friends, so I think she's hurt. Well, don't you, you know? also think that there is a little power in being silent and not being a screaming person? Yeah, true. But she still should have been the one to be interviewed. They should have reached out to her. No one cares about Sharon oh, Osbourne's my question is, right. situation. So my question is, and nobody said in the interview, we reached out, because you often mm-hmm. see in newspaper articles, we reached out to this person and they nope, didn't. They did not. Because the guy then goes and tags them all on Instagram. Amanda Seals did a, a rant on it, as she does. And it was a really good one, actually. I love her rants. I once commented that I am a millionaire after listening to all these gems that she keeps dropping. Oh, I love that. I commented on her and she, you know, I just want her to know, I don't mind her rants. I know some people feel some type of way about it, but you know, she is a black woman using her voice. Yeah. So I rant, <laughs> I'm ranting. Well, right I, don't, I, don't mind, <laughs> I don't mind a rant as long as it's not disguised as news. Yes. No, she's not disguising it as news. She was basically responding to the fact that this gentleman tagged her on this video that he did with Sharon Osbourne and she called Sharon Osbourne a cretin. I thought that was the best, (laughs) but you know, I just, again, I'm so disappointed again with how this is being portrayed in the media. The only person, uh, and I've watched lots of different, you know, political shows and they, all the political shows are bringing it up. So CNN, Don Lemon has talked about it 
several times. It, what are you referring talking to? about this situation with Piers Morgan and okay. Sharon Osborne? I feel like those two stories have gotten so big. It has buried the whole Marian, Meghan Markle story altogether, which is kind of sad because I felt, you know, them talking about uh, mental health issues, especially when the mental health issues are meant to be one of the sort of like charities that the, you know, Royal family support. And then they're going to go and basically not help the one person in the family that desperately needs it. I mean, there was a moment in the interview when Harry said that he would come home from work every day and find her breastfeeding Charlie, but bawling in tears. And he said it was after like a week of that, that he realized he had to do something for his family because between that and the racist, the racist media coverage of her, it was just getting to a point where he knew something was going to happen and he didn't want history to repeat himself. That's what was his words. I felt really bad. Like, so I want to, so I do want to tease this out a little bit. I'm not, I am not excusing the media. The media is awful and the media is always looking. It seems to me to have a villain and a hero. So in that sense, you know, they cast in the eighties and I was not, again, I have to say, I haven't changed at all. Like even my two closest friends were really into the British Royals in high school and really followed princess Diana. One of my best friends got her haircut, you know, the whole, like that way, like the whole thing. And I just could care less. And what's interesting to me is that even back then in the 80s, they sort of had to have a hero and a villain and they kind of cast Princess Diana as the villain. And so a lot of this is just whether it's, I I think we can sort of bring the lens back and say it's not just about race. I mean, the race just, it was like a a double-edged sword, right? It was like easy picking, you know, in that sense as well. Now we're going to take our racist selves and we're going to do this too. But they were, to me, I could have called it. They liked Kate Middleton. I was like, whoever the next princess is going to not be liked because there's going to have to be a rivalry or they're not going to sell papers. And so it seems like they even created a rivalry where there wasn't one. And then on top of that, then they put the race. So it made it worse. Absolutely. And the thing is that what makes me sad about listening to all this is that instead of all the women banding together because of all the racist stuff that happened and all the clearly misogynistic shit that's happening, Like rather than band together, actually racism once again, like rears its ugly head and white women like allow it to separate us. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Because this is a chance actually for female led media to join in, I guess, with Oprah, you know what I mean? And focus in on what was important. And instead they sort of take, you know, what I would call the Fox News approach to things and let's have a screaming match. And the fact is that people watched it a thousand times Mm -hmm. that isn't going to, in a capitalistic society, that's not going to stop it. So what changes the behavior since everybody like the Piers Morgan thing, this, the Sharon Osbourne thing, this is garnering viewers. So what makes it better? Because it really feels like it kind of proves its own point that being salacious and ugly or trash or whatever sells. Yeah. It's It's Trump. Do you know what I mean? It's Trumpism. It sells. So how do you even just change that? I mean, how do we get back, you know, and I don't want to say back to the days 
of more objective news telling or Walter Conkright, because you could dissect those and they would still be racist. It would still be sexist. It would still be news told from the point of view of the system. So I'm not even going to stand here and say that was better. Yeah, that's a good question. That is a really good question. Because like I said, this is all being covered by political news shows as well, which I mean, I understand Don Lemon point because, you know, as a black man on TV, he's dealing with, he deals with it on a different level. You know what I mean? I want, again, Joy Reid did not, Joy Reid did not, I think, cover this like in the same manner. Cause there's only, let's see, that's the other thing. We don't even have that many black people on TV to talk to this issue in a way right. that we could hear. We, we have so few voices. So we're just still, I mean, and I, I appreciate the, the white allies that are on TV talking about this in a way that's semi-objective, but we don't have enough black voices on TV to talk to the issue, to even explain why this is such a problem. Because I, I still feel like I have to explain why this is a problem to so many people when they're like, oh, but you know, yeah, she's trash. I'm like, yes, she's trash, but she's trash. That is sucking up all the oxygen. Yeah. And so, so she made it about her. I mean, even just the idea, even the Pierre Morgan, like he made it about him. Like that's. And so, so what's happening is the real problem, the real issue that we need to talk about racism in the media, just kind of. It doesn't get talked that, about. But that again, I'm sorry to lay all this on poor Oprah's feet because I don't mean to, but Oprah could have asked follow-up questions, parsing out the media's responsibility in all of that or done a follow-up. Because for me, what the royal, I mean, just even the, the fact that the royals have an HR office, which of course that makes sense, but to hear it labeled, you know, it is, it's a business. And that, that Megan in her family to reach out to get help, had to go through HR. I mean, it's so absurd. That part was, you know, for me, if that didn't make people choke on their own vomit about the monarchy, and yeah. change maybe how we see the monarchy and this family in Britain. Again, I'm an Amer- we're Americans, I, you know, but it feels like that alone should change. Yeah. But the thing that I found interesting is that there was like the, the fault of the family and clearly they didn't want to blame the family. I get it. They were dodging those questions. And I understand that they all need to live together as a family. Then you have the institution they were putting blame squarely on the institution, not naming names, but doing it. Then there's the media. And for me, a lot of this struggle, right, are the scars that Harry bears from his mother's situation and the racism of the racial bias and the racism and the having to create a narrative where there isn't one of the media. And it seems to me like Oprah could have done a better job or a post or a follow-up, you know, to really expand that because I do feel like that's really important because that is in the end, it is the press. You know, when you really think about the princess Diana problem, that was the fucking press. Yeah. But it started out with the family making her distrust the press. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But the idea is that, that needs to be explored. Yeah. 
And where the press needs exploration, it's going to have to be by the press. I mean, that's the only way we get it out. I mean, so there needs to be people talking about it. Because even for me, when I look at with the 24-hour news cycle and with everything being, people are trying to find free sites and don't want to pay for news, and then things being hidden behind paywalls and what isn't behind a paywall, when you really think about how this looks now, is the fact that I don't really know where there is news where you get objective news anymore. And so yeah. even just that in general, I feel like needs to be talked about. And then the idea that there's racial bias. So do you do what corporations have started to do in the wake of the reckoning this summer, whether there's anti-bias committees, whether there's an anti-bias like for me, it would seem very easy that there be a position or a team put together, an editorial team put together that filters through articles or filters through interviews or works with stories to sort of remove bias or at least just point to it. And that could be a way to actually forward the conversation to me. I mean, I don't know how that works with tabloids because tabloids aren't interested in truth. So this is where I was going to talk to you about is the tabloids. Something needs to be done about that situation because that is the the tabloids, I think, are the root of the evil, the root of the problem to begin with. Right. You know what I mean? And, And a lot of that also falls on us as people consuming this well, stuff. Be, my thing is, you know what my thing is. Yeah. And Don't so read it. it's capitalism. If we're going to have capitalism, the only thing that you can do is don't click on it. Don't yep. read it. Don't give it any airtime, suffocate yep. it to death. The problem is though, that a lot, I, I don't know when I, I, actually there is this, there is a television show that there was like a documentary that explored the moment when celebrity news became something that, that was a commodity that could, you know, could be capitalized on. And I don't know what it is about us as people that we feel the need. My sense is, I think it's probably always been there, you know, with, with the idea that talk about British royalty, when you think about any royalty being the first celebrities, you know, in the sense of people crowding to the streets to see what they were doing, they would dictate fashion because they had the money. And so people would do it. It is my sense is it's been as long as time I would. And then I'm sure radio up the ante and then TV I'm imagining TV and movies upped it even further and created this whole idea. We still didn't have shows like Entertainment Tonight and... It's true, but we had Frank Sinatra and George Hamilton and all those celebrities for just being celebrities. You know, I still think there was always a sense of it, but yeah, like I agree. But now it's on steroids where you can consume all of this information about people all the time, as well as follow them on their... Twitter, Instagram, pay to be part of their OnlyFans and all this other, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's right. But that's because there's a market for it. I mean, that's why, you know, I, but see, why is there a market for it? Why are we, why can't we be so interested in our own lives in the way that we are interested in theirs? There are a couple of reasons why is that it's, it's human nature, I think, a little bit to want to, it's stories, right? You know, so you read stories 
then you look at stories and then real life stories might be more interesting than fictional stories. And the truth is when we look at tying this back to the Meghan Markle interview and princesses, people get upset when people call their daughter princess. I want to vomit. And I was like, you know, you know, you should be saying queen or empress or just none of it at all. But the idea that princess implies innocence, youth, and getting rescued. That's what it does. And it makes me sick. And I do call Buttercup Princess Buttercup after the Princess Bride movie. Okay. But that's, but see, the thing is that you have an understanding of it and we can love the Princess Bride, but there is that concept of we grew up with Snow White, with Cinderella, with all these princess stories. And the idea is that we can't, of course, we're going to look at celebrities because there is a, it feels like a fairy tale. I mean, you just look at Marilyn Monroe's story, you know, where people see the rags to riches yeah, discovered, you know what I mean? Again, with women, a lot of the time, and I love, this is why I am like such fans of the, the Williams sisters, like Serena and Venus, why they are heroes to me is because they were really out there unapologetically saying, we work for this. We mm-hmm. worked our asses off. We're allowed to be arrogant about this just as a man would be. I don't lose to other people. I lose to myself. You know, like yeah. I have to beat myself. And that, and they created their future. You know what yeah. I mean? They created it. And when, and they created it with a skill set. And I really applaud that. And so the celebrity that followed felt earned and quite frankly necessary to have black female superstars mm-hmm. like in the ether. So it's not that it's like all celebrity, but still, I don't know what Serena eats for breakfast. I don't know what Venus eats for breakfast. Like they still live some modicum of private lives because they've chosen some sort of balance that they're just not out there all the time. I do not have, you know, the same tolerance for influencers, like who are just out there to promote. They have no skill other than their charisma. I don't appreciate it. And, and I roll my eyes at it and why people are interested in celebrities because why people read stories, it's just the easier thing to do, right? You could open a novel at night and go into a different world, but you know, or you can put on a movie, you know, but much easier to click on TMZ you know, <laughs> and see what you're going to see. And it does, I think, scratch the same itch. You know what I mean? For another world to see it. I mean, I like fantasy. Why do I like reading about other, like other created worlds or science fiction? Like, why do I like that? Because it's escapism. And so people find escapism in, in that. And I think your insight was absolutely right. Like people watch this And they see that a celebrity is struggling. It makes their own struggles feel okay, right? I mean, that is what it does. And I agree. And that's good insight. And I think that's why people are fascinated. Do they have trouble too? If Oprah struggles with losing weight, I mean, there was a lot of that was revolutionary, right? Like I remember in the 80s, her coming on with a a red wagon, I think, of all of fat. Yes. You remember it too. Yes. That was like, that was amazing. And then we're like, oh my God, if she struggles with her weight, it's okay. I can struggle with my weight too. I totally get it. But see, that's different than 
having to know what the celebrity ate for breakfast. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's only one step away. It's like, a, it's yes. like a, it's, you know, because once I know, okay, wait a minute, you know, if, I don't know, if Jennifer Aniston looks so great at my age, right. And she looks so amazing. Maybe that's because she does, what does she have for breakfast? Cause if I have what she has for breakfast, maybe I will also look the same way at 50. It's hopeful, right? I mean, there is a sense of everybody's looking for a model or a role model in, in a world where community is a little frayed. And I, you know, this is where I always think Republicans and Democrats could come together. Our social fabric is frayed. Yeah. And so, like, where is the person going to go? Well, what is Jennifer Aniston doing? I'll do what she's doing. She's managing to be a successful, independent, whatever the story is, you know, and I'm just choosing her randomly. But the idea is that, like, she definitely is kind of actor turned celebrity. You know what I mean? She just carries such celebrity with her. When I think of celebrity used well without the salacious component, I actually think about Angelina Jolie's uh, bed piece in the New York Times where she talked about her mastectomy. Yeah, that was good. And what I liked about that is that was written. It wasn't salacious. I'm sure she had an editor, but mm-hmm. or maybe not, but the idea is that it wasn't about her life being a fairy tale. It wasn't, she actually discussed her privilege in the piece. And I thought that was a good use of celebrity influence. Yes. I can say the same thing for Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade and the way that they're dealing with transgender rights because of their daughter. They are, and, and not only are they using their celebrity for good, they have actually opened themselves up to all of the horror of people being, horrible to them, but they felt that the message was so important. And I, so I totally get what you're saying. I I get what you're saying. And I mean, just to a a huge degree, I I benefit from people consuming celebrity culture. I mean, that's my part of my job, but I still feel we as a people are part of this problem. We are part of this problem. And until we can, can figure this out. And I, but I also think that, you know, if people feel that there's racial bias. Okay, so I'm going to give an example about something that just happened at school, right? This is an example of what it was at. It, it was at a competition, not on my law school's property. This was a different law school, but we had students in attendance of this competition virtually. Yes. And a judge who's probably a lawyer in real life acting as a judge made a comment that was definitely, I would say a microaggression just about somebody not gesturing a lot, even though they had their name ended with a vowel. So that was the statement. So definitely taken as a slur, especially where it might've been funny 10 years ago, but in today's world, that's nothing but a microaggression So, I mean, we're not letting it go. I mean, nothing was done in the moment because, I mean, nothing happened. And actually our team like won the whole competition. So there was no bias in the sense of scoring or anything. It was just a comment that made you think maybe there was bias, that you had to worry. And it's a problem. So the idea is like, we're writing a, we're writing a letter, you know what I mean? Writing a letter to the competition, like alerting the the organizers, you know, that this happened and that there should be better training or that judge should not be asked back one or the other, you know, it isn't. And the idea is that 
it is on us. It needs to be incumbent on the viewer, Mm -hmm. you know, and to either pass around a petition. It doesn't, you know, and to just point out every time there's implicit bias that shows up. You need to educate like people need to be educated and then they also need to realize it'll affect the bottom line because you can say if this doesn't get addressed or changed, we're not going to watch you anymore. So even the idea that a newspaper and I'm not newspaper media is not any better, but in newspaper media, you do see there being correction, you know, they'll say correction, you know, and they'll correct something. The New York times does an interesting thing where once a week, I don't know, I haven't seen this in a while, but where they will actually talk about something they could have done better. Oh, wow. And I don't know. They did that for a while. I actually have to say, I'm not sure I've seen that recently. But the idea is, and that wasn't about race. It was just about general issues, you know, but it was about truth and reporting and trying to sort of see that so we could see the transparency so so we can respect the institution. I think we could do that with implicit bias or outright bias. Mm -hmm. Absolutely do that. And, you know, I'm not sure if... TV shows like CNN, MSNBC modeled at first. Mm-hmm. What always happens is that hopefully the tabloid, the more tabloid-esque news places will follow just because they need to remain competitive in the marketplace. I mean, this is, I mean, this is the this is always the problem with having marketplace decide everything. As long as idiots keep tuning in and they like seeing a brawl on TV and they, then nothing changes. Yeah. You're right. You are right. I mean, I would love to talk about, you know, the first amendment and are we reaching the limits of our first amendment? That's a whole different conversation. Yes. But I mean, the First Amendment doesn't cover. I mean, you you hate speech and and being mean to someone. Well, hate speech isn't covered, but being mean to somebody is absolutely covered in the First Amendment. I don't know. This is a larger discussion. I'm glad we're having. I'm glad we had this discussion though about Meghan Markle and the backlash and like all the little things that have happened since then that kind of drowned out that story. But it does need to be said that you know. Because of that one interview, so many little things have happened that are pushing the conversation out there. And the conversation is now well and truly out there. I agree. Uh, And I I agree. And I have to say, you've brought me around to the idea that having something, even though I'm sorry, the end of the interview did make me want to vomit. You know, when Um, she was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm. uh, I have my Yeah. Oh, please. I mean, but but I have to say, I I know what you're saying, but they like, it was beautiful to see that they really love each other and that it's not, I mean, but I'm going to say that's if you believe what you see on TV, but I got to say like, you're 50 years old, Lenya. Do you really believe what you see on TV all the time? I love that they are showing the world that they really love each other. Do I know that they really love each other? Hell no. Because that's what you do on TV. We've seen it over and over again, right? How many real people, how many celebrities, but how many reality show, like whatever you see on TV, you're like, I love you. I really mean it. And this is forever. And then the next year it's divorce. I I hope that's all true. I really do. Because everybody deserves joy and happiness. Everybody does. And everybody deserves love and support and 
connectedness and if they truly have what they portrayed, I am happy. But do I like turn it off and have deep seated feelings of joy because I believe them? No, it's freaking television. No, I didn't have deep seated joy feelings of joy, but it was really kind of nice that they were showing this. And it was funny, a bunch of like memes coming out after the interview. There was this one meme where they said, Prince Harry is the husband Diana needed because had, you know, Charles really loved her enough to want to protect her, he would have removed her from the situation. Like that kind of, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So there has to, something has to be said for the fact that he, who was very close to his family and felt the weight of his responsibility, chose to leave all that in order to protect his family. That is a huge thing. You know, I don't know if I would be strong enough. To do no, like I, all in the public eye, absolutely. But I just have to add one slightly jaded comment. Of course, like they brought up several times the company that they've just founded, and that's a production company. Like I'm yes. just saying, like they had something to sell. Like I'm just yes. saying, at the end, of course, of course, of course. They were selling something. Of I know, course. but like you can't. But that makes for me that taints everything else behind it. When you're selling something. I don't believe the story behind it. That's for me critically. But if you're not selling something, nobody wants to hear your story. Well, that might be true, but I would have listened in on that story if they weren't selling anything at all. And then they just went back into their private lives. That would have been for me more persuasive. If they didn't mention the production company once, it would have been a more solid story to me. Well, Oprah brought it up and it was funny because Harry goes, uh, when they, you know, Megan, of course, dealt with it in a different way because she has a completely different level of media training, being a proper celebrity, right? Not being a royal. I feel like they have media training, but it's different. They're instructed that they're above it all. So they don't have to answer the questions. Whereas Megan knows how to answer the questions without having to answer the questions. So it was, so her interview was so different from that point when he joined and he's, oh yeah, well, we never even thought about what we were going to do until somebody brought it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was just like, it was completely, it it, it was very strange, but you know, it just goes to show you, it just goes to show you the different types of celebrity. They're two very different types of celebrities. But I do agree that there are a couple of things, right? So we're almost a year out. Yep. It's coming on fast, right? Almost a year out from George Floyd's murder. And you know, thank goodness, who would have thought I'd be saying this? I never would have saw myself saying this in the 90s, but thank goodness for Joe Biden. And and we're looking at having, you know, the world kind of opening up again slowly, but in, but really by August, there'll be, it'll be so much more open. And so there's all this feeling of hope. And that's when like Black Lives Matter and all the reckoning that's gone on could die away. And so for me, what I do love about this is that you're right. Like it it just continues the conversation. And the fact that all of this exploded from it still means we have so much more work to do. That I completely agree with you. And I am happy you made me watch the interview. And I did actually really enjoy, I mean, if she felt like she needed to do work to repair her image, although I don't think she ever did anything to ruin her image at all, like she was completely likable, 
smart, insightful, everything that, quite frankly, if she wanted to be giving the royals of the finger and saying, I'm everything a princess should be. She absolutely did. did it. Though, yep. You know, fuck being a princess. You don't need to be a princess. I don't think she cared so much about the title. No, like, I don't think so either. I, I, really, I don't think so either. I, yeah. Like it's very clear that she didn't care so much about the title. I think she cares about the security around her family. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I absolutely. When you are a celebrity at that level, and there are security issues. Like I absolutely understand. Cause that was 10 minutes of the interview was talking around the fact that they did not, that they weren't, that they weren't secure, that, that they were denied security. That was 10 minutes. Well, I think it was. And then that's another thing like this is, I'm sorry, I'm in a critical place today because that would be another thing where I would have strengthened the interview. Like I actually would have cut away and shown some of the death threats. Yeah. Because a lot of people watching this probably don't know about Princess Diana and everything that happened. I feel like there could have been a little bit more education of the audience because when they were talking about their fear of security, I feel like it was sort of making assumption that we were all with them on understanding that they needed security. And I I think there's levels of security because, you know, there's security that every celebrity likely has. Then there's security that the British royals have, just like our government officials have. And then there's this crazy combination, you know, obsession that people Mm -hmm. have with these people. And then you add all the race baiting media that goes on. So now we have crazy racists out to to hurt the family. That's an escalation that I think could have been handled. So we could have been horrified. And I'm not sure... And I mean, that's, you know, again, that's a producer making comment that they don't need to be horrified. I could have used more education there because, because that would have said, holy shit, of course you have to get out of there. Do you know what I mean? Of course you need to go live in a frigging compound. And I understand the fear and I understand the fear of like what their poor child is going to grow up under that lens would be horrible. I mean, I think they, you know, for me, as much as I have an opinion on what their lives should be, they made a good decision. Yeah, because their children get to grow up in. I mean, they're gonna grow up in the camera. Of course, they are, but less but so. Not yeah, less so. I mean, well, Harry said that. He actually said that. He said he never could, as a child, go on a bicycle and just take a ride. Can you like when he said like little things like that? Just you know, she couldn't go to lunch with her mother because they take your car keys, your passport, and your driver's license. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, well, I, that is that is like sort of the like I could understand you not wanting to actually be out, but go to lunch with your mother. There was things that she said that came out that like, yeah, I think you're right. There's certain points where Oprah could have. It probably could have been like a five, two parter interview. Yes. But that is also partly like fascination with the royals. Like I, you know, it's like that. Do people understand that you're living more in a prison? Like we haven't seen that in a while, but it's the, the yeah. idea that you're living in a gilded prison is not a life. Yeah. Well, I didn't really care about that so much. I'm sorry. The, the, the main thing for me was like, she's wanting to kill herself and they don't want to help her. And they cared yeah. about the color of her baby's skin. Those were the two takeaways for me from the whole thing. No, those were the two main takeaways. Although the mental health is the thing that really surprised me. The color of the baby's skin that somebody said it out loud 
is what shocks me because the people were thinking that I'm like, Oh my yes. God, I, you know, yes. I am sure and this is how racist I'm assuming people were is that there were probably pools of people betting. Yes, I'm sure. You but know what I mean? Like, for, of course, the thing that the, the one thing that came out about this was it wasn't the firm. It was someone in the family because he said that it was someone in the actual family that said it to him. And he said he did not want to talk about who it was. Oprah pressed twice. And he said, no, I do not want to discuss this conversation. And that to me says that when William afterwards, there was like a couple of days later, oh, is this, is, is your family a racist family? He's, we're very much not a racist family. That's when you go, liar, pants on fire, because one of you motherfuckers said this. <laughs> one oh, of yeah. you, totally not agree. the firm, totally one of agree. you. <laughs> liar, liar. Why, yeah. Well, why would you think that family wouldn't be racist? I mean, it's, you know, because over and over again, the statistics show that the more isolated a person is in their lives, the more prejudiced or xenophobic a person is going to be. I realize, but do you remember the reception that Obama had? Oh, that's the next thing that I wanted to tell you. Michelle Obama has come out as I well. Know, I saw that. I saw that. But do you remember how wonderful the reception was to, to Barack and Michelle? Oh, yeah. But that's that's different. I mean, that's totally different, right? And then that is because... That's exactly when you talk to me about what racism is, right? I mean, racism, there's all sorts, there's everybody's racist coming from the premise that everybody's racist and then you have to grow into being anti-racist. The idea is, well, of course, they're not racist in the sense that Barack Obama shouldn't be president and they shouldn't have a great time and they shouldn't have dinner and break bread and be fans. Like that's because that's different than marrying and having yes, it in the family. In your like, family yeah. You know, You're right. Like, you are so right. You know, like of, uh, they can have those two things in the same space, right? In the same brain. They can, yep. they, and that's what convinces them uh, we're not a racist. See, we love Obama. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, you know, that reminds me I of read, a um, I read Becoming by Michelle yeah. Obama. Like, I love it. <laughs> That reminds me of a scene in Do the Right Thing, the Spike Lee movie, where Spike Lee's talking to, I can't remember the name of the actor, this character, and they're going over all these different celebrities. And he goes, but you know, you love Prince. And he goes, but Prince isn't black. He's like, Prince is black. <laughs> right. He's like, he's like, I can love Prince because Prince isn't black. But he didn't say it. He didn't say isn't right. black. He said he isn't the N word. But right. you know what I mean? And it, it was Spike Lee shining the light on just that kind of racism where you can love Prince, but you can still hate black people. Right. Absolutely. So, if, you know, that is that's totally that concept. That is exactly where the British royals got caught with their pants down. Basically, yes. You know what I mean? They got called out on their racism and that. Yeah. That I think is important, you yes. know, because that is where people need to examine themselves. You know, do you, okay, you love watching blackish, you know what I mean? Like, where, like, yes. it almost feels like there should be a meme, right? How racist are you? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yep. <laughs> no, you're right. There are memes. Yeah, because I would think there's probably even racism existing where I could marry a black person but I wouldn't want my daughter to marry a black man. Yes. I've seen that you know too. What I mean? Because then yeah. you're going to even talk about this and that's where colorism. Yep. And you and Nicole had that great conversation about colorism and how it's really a black community issue. But I do feel like it's also bled into the white issue. White. Oh, race. yes. Like even just that sense of, 
Americans were probably looking at the British situation saying, are you kidding? You have a problem with Meghan Markle. Do you know what I mean? Because she's so light colored. And the idea is, well, see, like that's, that's also colorism playing into this whole thing. Yeah. And that's what started our conversation today. And so with that. And we brought it all back in a circle. I guess that's a great place to end. It was so good. We did this. So this is our first episode of our third season, everybody. We have an amazing season planned. Yes, the world is opening up. We have some amazing guests. I'm very excited. I'm probably going to be doing one of these from New Jersey because I'm going to go visit my dad. And I'm probably going to visit my friend Connor in Cuba. So maybe we'll do one from Havana. Ooh, let's do one from Cuba for sure. All right. That sounds exciting. Yes. All right, everybody, listen to listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Share. We're always looking to bring more people into the conversations. Check us out at womenbridgingthegap.com. Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to hear from our fans. We've had one fan write in and ha- and tell and give us a fantastic episode. I mean, friends, Fran's episode was bomb.com. And we would love, love, love more of those. So please email us your, you know, your questions, your ideas. We want to hear from you. And if you want to come on the show to talk about something, I mean, that's how Fran happened. We invited her on the show and we ended up talking about self-care and slut shaming. Two amazing topics. Yes. And it was a great show. So please, we want to hear from you guys. And thank you so much for listening. 